It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Hey, welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best. Everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. Well, today we have got one of the ultimate guys guys, if you will. Dan Millman is going to join me on Guys Guys Radio. We're going to talk about his book series, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. We're going to talk about The Four Purposes of Life, another one of his books, The Life You Were Born to Live, Everyday Enlightenment, and we're also going to have a conversation about fitness. Uh, I'm a boomer. I'm younger than Dan, but Dan is uh, in amazing, amazing shape, and part of it is because he, he lives a clean life, but also he does his peaceful warrior workout. He's been doing it for about 35 years. I've been doing it for about two and a half years, and it is just unbelievable the way it opens up and unleashes your chi, uh, the peaceful warrior workout. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about diet, fitness, aging, wellness, longevity, and his books, starting with The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. To me, it's just an iconic, timeless uh, uh story, and it is a story. He's written it in novel form, but he gets across all the truths that he needs to get across in it. I read it again this weekend after having not read it for many, for a couple of decades when I first read it, and I got so much out of it, and it is so timeless and is so relevant to how we're living right now in our culture, and he has a ton of tips as to how to kind of slow things down, how to live in the moment, how to create your life and how to not become a slave to your past judgments or thinkings and expectations and also your anxiety about the future. So Dan Millman is joining us today on Guys Guys Radio. It's going to be a great show. When I put together my list of guests I wanted to have on the show, I had Dan right at the top. I am a great admirer of his work and as him as a person. And it's so interesting. We'll get into this a little bit, but I've recently moved from New York to Southern California, and Dan moved from Southern California and Northern California to New York City. So uh, we'll have a tale of two coasts. Uh, so Guys Guys Radio, very special guest, very special show. We're going to get into it with Dan Millman. All right, Guys Guys Radio, Robert Manny, your host. As I had mentioned, I've got a very, very special guest, Dan Millman. Dan Millman is a former world champion gymnast, university coach, martial arts instructor, Aikido, I believe, and college professor. Numerous books have inspired millions of readers in more than 30 languages. His talks and workshops in the U.S. and abroad presenting practical ways to live with a peaceful heart, a warrior spirit, have influenced leaders in the fields of health, psychology, education, business, sports, and the art. Dan Millman is the author of the iconic seminal book, the Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And he's also got a whole bunch of other books, part of that series and other books. My favorite is uh, Everyday Enlightenment, The 12 Gateways to Personal Growth. And I have a little story about that that I'll tell later. The Life You Were Born to Live, which um, gives you kind of a numerology-based um, template for uh, finding out the type of person you are and what you might be interested in, the path you might take in life. And also a very important book called The Four Purposes of Life. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Dan. Hey, Robert. Well, thanks for so much for being there. It's interesting because I am a New Yorker living, I just moved to California, Southern California, and Dan is from California, and he's been living in Brooklyn, I believe. So yes. we have kind of a nice dichotomy. What do you think of Brooklyn 
after living in Southern California. Well, I have to say we have both coasts covered now between us uh, <laughs> and everything in between. Um, I, I love Brooklyn. I've noticed there are three cultures here in Brooklyn that don't really like or understand each other very much. Drivers, pedestrians, and, <laughs> and bicyclists. <laughs> well, that's all over New York, but particularly Brooklyn because, you know, you have so many neighborhoods um, and so many families and stuff, and it's really, it's really pretty hairy. You know, Manhattan's all uh, commerce and business and all that. I lived the last 10 years in Harlem, and uh, it was a totally neighborhood, uh, not that many skyscrapers or anything, and uh, very close to Central Park. So I did all my workouts and running in Central Park and then worked out indoors. But it's interesting because one of the things we want to talk about is fitness is that um, – you know, it's different working out for me out here in Southern California. I just, you know, pull on my shorts and I run out the door in New York. You really have to say I'm committed to fitness. If I'm going to go for a run and it's in January and I got to do my 6.2 around the big loop on Central Park or Prospect Park or wherever, you have to bundle up and be ready to do that. So how did you handle that change when you first made your move, Dan? Well, I'm always my wife and I both, uh, by the way, we've been married 44 years now. <laughs> that, wow. that intro was a bit out of date. Um, my wife and I both believe in exercise. We pretty much get up. First thing we do every day is, is a routine. I, I created a workout called the Peaceful Warrior Workout, which I, I've been teaching and doing every day for probably 35 years now. Wow. Um, but that's just the core, this four-minute workout. I, I do quite a bit more um, some of it looks like physical therapy at my age, um, mm-hmm. but I'm either biking around Prospect Park, uh, uh, walking around the park. I go to the Y twice a week. I, um, yeah, so do some weights, sauna, and swim. Um, so I've always believed in fitness as a basis. You know, people sometimes ask me, Robert, uh, uh, they'll come to me in for a consultation and say, well, I have this uh, emotional issue or a spiritual issue. And Whatever they, they present to me, the first three questions I ask are, first, are you getting regular, moderate exercise almost every day? Second, are you eating a balanced diet? And third, are you getting enough rest? And we're learning more and more about those areas. There are gourmet approaches to every one of those areas, whether it's diet, exercise, so many different systems and theories. Um, but it comes down to Regular, moderate exercise. You know, one of the basic principles that I teach in all my books and this approach to living I call the Peaceful Warrior's Way is the fundamental principle is there is no best workout. There's no best teacher. There's no best book, religion, path, philosophy, or diet. There's only the best for each of us at a given time of our life. So life's an experiment. We have to find out what works best for us. So that cuts through a lot of the theories about diet, macrobiotic diet, paleo diet, all these other theories and about exercise and what exercise is best. No, it's what is best for you. And it has to be sustainable for each of us, something we're willing to do over time rather than some heroic cross fitness, you know, mm-hmm. intensive thing, boot camp that we're not really going to sustain over time. So it's nice to test ourselves now and then, but... Um, I found what works best for me in terms of what's sustainable, and I probably am unusually uh, a fit uh, for people my age. I'm 73 now, nearly 74, and people are usually shocked when they see me. They said, no, there's no way you know, you're, that, you're that age. So it's just a matter of, you know, Jack LaLanne. Do you remember Jack LaLanne? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he happy, a, his dog Happy, right? 
Yeah. Well, I worked out with Jack at Santa Monica wow. Beach when I was still living in California You know, uh, once. It wasn't a regular thing, but I met him there and we were doing handstands on the parallel bars. And um, Jack used to say, I hate to exercise, but I love the results. Mm-hmm. That sounds sound advice. You know, the the reason I I think one of the ways I got to Dan to get him to do my show is I sent him a video of myself in uh, Joshua Tree State yes. Park, and I was yep. doing the free form of uh, one of the the final really of uh, movement in the Peaceful Warriors workout, and I saw Dan on. Um, Lisa Gar's show uh, a couple of years ago, and I said, wow, the Peaceful Warrior workout, I have to do this. So I started doing it, and um, I at first I did like three reps. There's about 15 different movements, and then I worked myself up to about 30 reps for just about everything, and I have done it for now two, actually over two years, two and a half years now that I've been doing it. And I can tell you, uh, I'm a boomer, I'm younger than Dan, but, uh, and I've always been an athlete, and I've run three marathons, and I've always stayed in shape, and I've been a push-up freak, and I've run Central Park all the time, and all kinds of stuff. But i got to tell you, I learned so much by doing Dan's Peaceful Warrior workout, because it's very short. If you do it first thing in the morning, uh, it just opens up my energy centers and it grounds me. Even if I've, you know, if I've had a couple of glasses of wine the night before or partying, whatever, I force myself to start to work out. By the end of it, I am awake in every sense of the way. How did you develop? How did you develop the workout? And since you've been doing it for thirty-five years, and I've been doing it for two and a half years, do you change the amount of reps you do, or how, how have you adapted it as you've uh, moved along? Sure. Um, yeah, the, the way it was developed is an odd story. Um, you know, I, I'm working on a book now um, about the four mentors or masters who most influenced my life and work. And one of those mentors that I called the warrior priest, he, he um, bought me a ticket. I didn't even know where we were going. He said north of Santa Cruz, and we ended up in Alaska. <laughs> so so wow. he said, yeah, I said north of Santa Cruz. Um, and up there, we were teaching a group of psychotherapists. And he said, Dan, uh, let's come up with a, a workout that can be done very simply in a brief amount of time. So it's excuse proof um, that, that most, you know, most anybody can do and adapt to themselves. Um, and I said, wow, between you and me, we're going to, the resources we bring, it's going to be a great workout. But he wasn't available. And the next night I called him and said, look, we're going to start teaching tomorrow. Can, can we meet together and come up with this? And he said, oh, no, I'm still busy. So I realized I was going to have to do it myself. And so I, I sat down in my room and I said, okay, uh, with all the exercises I've done, beginning with modern dance as a, as, a, as a 10-year-old, to judo, to various martial arts, Aikido, Tai Chi, um, um, Kali Eskrima, the Filipino arts, and, mm-hmm. and others, um, I, from, from dance to gymnastics to a thing called psychocalisthenics through a mystical school I did years ago, uh, every kind of movement form I've done, I said, all right, I gave myself the challenge. Come up with a, a, like a four-minute routine. And I just literally, it came to me like that. I just wrote down one exercise, the next, the next, the next, 16 or 15 exercises, 15 movements that get every single part of the body. Now, they're not equivalent, you know, in four minutes, it's not equivalent to going, doing weights for 20 or 30 minutes. It's right. not equivalent to running five miles for cardio. It's not equivalent to uh, doing yoga for an hour and a half for stretching. But it has elements of balance, flexibility, timing, rhythm, 
it, it's coordinated with breathing. And that's so many exercise systems, they just say, well, just breathe the way you're going to breathe, which is fine. But this routine, as you know, Robert, mm-hmm. combines uh, conscious breathing. And it is a form of conscious exercise. Now, many people don't fully get immediately, what do you mean by conscious exercise? Is it a fancy label? No, it's not. It describes exercise that is created for the overall balance and health of the human being. Now, you can play tennis and get some great ancillary benefits from that, or golf, or bowling, Mm -hmm. or soccer, and they all have benefits to health and vitality, but they're not designed for the overall health of the human being. There are only certain forms of conscious exercise. Uh, Certain uh, yoga routines Mm -hmm. uh, are. Uh, Some Tai Chi and some of the internal martial arts are also designed, like Tai Chi, for the health of the body. And this is one of those forms um, you could say certain Pilates and uh, other kinds of approaches, but the Peaceful Warrior Workout was designed for the overall balance of the human being. That's how I came up with it. We taught these therapists. They really liked it. I started, but I don't teach what I don't do. If I don't do it, I'm going to stop teaching it. Mm-hmm. So how I about also- with the, How about with the reps, Stan? How many, do, yes. do you, have, you, okay. have you changed your uh, amount of reps? Have you no. gone up and down or is it always the same? Because in the book it says- like two or three reps or something. I started That's with that, right. and then I was doing the, the jacks, kind of the V-ups and all of that. Now I'm doing 30, and uh, a lot of stuff. I, I like some I'll do 20, some I'll do 30, some I'll do 15. It depends on the movement, but that, I, I assume that's okay because that what works for me. It's like a suit of clothing. You have to tailor it for yourself. So mm-hmm. sure, people can do with it whatever they like, but the strength of the workout is a uh, simple is powerful because we're more likely to do it. A little bit of something is better than a lot of nothing. So people who don't exercise regularly um, can really benefit by sticking with the two to three reps, get it done in four minutes. It still reminds the body to open up and move every single joint, as you know. So yes. that's the strength of it. Now, I add push-ups. I do handstand push-ups. I do uh, weights you know, at the Y and so on. Mm-hmm. So sure, I do other things as well, but mm-hmm. it's a great fallback. When I'm on the road, I'm traveling around the world. No matter where I am, I get yep. up and I do the workout. So the four minutes is minimal. And yes, if somebody wants to increase the reps, they can, as long as they don't hit a point where they go, oh gosh, I don't have time to do this anymore. It's too hard or it takes too long. So that's why I recommend people stick with the four minutes. And then if they want to um, supplement it with other um, things they do, that's that's great. Okay. Let's... Uh, Let's go back and talk a little bit about peaceful, uh, the way of the peaceful warrior. I, as I'd mentioned to Dan uh, before we got on air, I just reread the book, and I had read it uh, as a young man uh, after reading all the Carlos Castaneda books, and I was expecting someone in a similar plane, and it, it is, but it isn't, and I don't think everything that's in Dan's book sunk into me then, yet when I read it over the weekend, I was like, wow. It all clicked. And Dan, I have to tell you, you wrote this book in the, from your experiences in the 60s. You were way ahead of your time because what you're talking about in the book is about being in the, to me, it was about consciousness, about conscious living, being in the here and now. What time is it now? Where are we here? Um, everything that Socrates, the elderly gentleman that you met uh, in your novel, uh, that taught you about how to live the way of the peaceful warrior. Could you expand a little bit about um, some of those steps that everybody, the guys out there who are listening can take to become more present because we're all pulled in so many directions in so many different ways at so many different times that it's very challenging sometimes to be in the moment and to live consciously. 
Sure, sure. Well, I had read Castaneda's first couple of books um, and enjoyed them very much, an evocative writer. Um, yes. But I wanted to show that we could find wisdom anywhere, even in an old service station attendant, a, a mm-hmm. mechanic. Um, and, I, so, and I had met this really cosmic old guy about three in the morning, the way I described, um, in, in a service station, an old Texaco station on the corner of Oxford and Hearst in Berkeley, California, while I was a college student. Um, he made a strong impression on me. He was a real flesh and blood old guy, not just a fictional character. But he became the archetypal teacher when I actually wrote the book 14 years later. Uh, and yes, one central message, but it's certainly, as you know, not the only message, right. um, is about the present moment. But many, and you know, everybody's listening to you right now, listening to us, knows, oh, yeah, yeah, we know it's good to live in the present because there's so many books I'd be here now, Ram Das, you know, right, right, Eckhart right. Tolle's book, Power mm-hmm. Now. There's so many books and ideas out there. But what's interesting is any physicist, will tell you that there's no such thing as the present moment. Because if you, um, if I try to say, grab the present by going now, from the time I say mm to the time I say ow, a million nanoseconds have passed. Right. Yep. Which nanosecond is the present? So when teachers like myself say it's good to focus on the present moment, we're really saying let's handle what's in front of us. Why? Well, you know, uh, a favorite quote of mine, Mark Twain once said, I've had many troubles in my life, most of which never happened. Because most of the troubles we have are in our imagined future or our remembered past. And what I try to convey to people uh, is not just it's good to live in the present. We all heard that. It's like a bumper sure. sticker slogan. Right. I'm talking about there is no such thing as past or future. Now, what do I mean by that? When I talk about my past, whether it's when I, we first came onto Skype to talk together here mm-hmm. a few minutes ago, or whether we're talking about what we're going to do tonight, we're just projecting our imagination into the future or remembering something. These neural synaptic impulses in our brain, we're, we're having some impression in the moment, right now, about what we call the past. But people get into trouble. They sink into illusion when they're talking about my my past as if it's still real because it is gone. It is only a sensory impression. Now, it can leave traumatic incidents, for example, PTSD. It can leave tensions in our body. It can leave memory impressions uh, and associations in our brain right now, but it doesn't exist anymore. It's simply a memory. So all we have is memory and imagination. Other than that, there's this eternal present moment. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit more because I think it's a very, very important uh, point. It sounds to me that we are creating that the, the number one, the brain is a processor and that everything that we're taking in the brain processes, but we are, there's really nothing. We are creating every second. So we're creating our own world and the way of the peaceful warrior is about how to manage that from a heart space from a loving space, and also how we deal with stuff, not to get caught in the past or the future. I know I'm not doing a very good job of articulating that, but am I on on the right track for our listeners? Sure, you're doing a fine job of articulating it. I couldn't say it better. Um, and, and, but people might ask, well, why do I want to do that? Is it some technique, you know, mindfulness? Most of us have heard the term mindfulness. It's become a thing. Um, but really, all mindfulness means is paying attention to what's going on in this present moment in front of us without judgments. 
As mm-hmm. and when we when we look inward, as in sitting quietly with our eyes closed, we call it mindfulness meditation because what we're paying attention to are passing thoughts and emotions, quote, quote unquote, inside of us. And but normally we can also be mindful of what's going on around us. So. Um, why do we want to be in the present? Why do we want to focus on it? Well, most of us say, my mind's so busy. I've got so many things to do. My mind's so complicated. If people would like to simplify their life, all they have to do is focus on the present. Because, you know, my life is very busy. I expect yours is too and many of your listeners. Mm-hmm. But my life has become extremely simple because I've recognized I can only do one thing at a time. So when we first wake up in the morning with 16 things we have to do that day or things on our calendar, um, actually there's only one thing we need to do when we wake up. Open our eyes and then sit up and then put our feet on the floor and so on. And someone might say, well, wait a minute, Dan, I can find exceptions to that. How about juggling? Well, when you juggle, you only have to focus on one thing at a time, which is throw one ball, then another, then another. It just happens rapidly. If you're in the martial arts and you have multiple attackers, you only have to deal with one at a time, unless you're doing Bruce Lee movie martial arts where you kick two people at once. But basically, if we just are willing to handle one thing at a time, life gets much more simple and real because that's our moment of power right now. So it sounds like um, we can, um, that one of the keys is to doing this, living this way, is it will slow things down. Let me give you an example. I uh, took uh, the integration issue that Socrates said that you had between knowledge and action and trying to do too many things and having kind of monkey mind. Um, I went swimming. I do my laps. And I, my wife asked me the other day, so do you get into a Zen thing? And I'm like, no, I'm totally gassed at the end of it. And I was thinking, you know what? I'm rushing through this thinking of all these different things. I'm going to use Dan's technique. I'm going to get in the pool and I'm going to slow it down. And I'm not going to think of anything. I am just going to swim and concentrate on my form without concentrating on it. Just be who I am going across the pool. My, my workout took the exact amount of time. I wasn't gassed and I seemed like I was going slow yet fast. Could you help me out with that for our listeners, Dan? Sure. Uh, I was mentioning exceptions to the idea of being in the present. Somebody might say, well, Dan, I can do two things in the present. I'm a multitasker. Mm-hmm. So I can, uh, and I am going to get to your point, absolutely. This relates to it. Um, okay. There's an old Zen joke. We, can't, we really can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Because if we're focusing entirely, concentrating on how we chew the gum, the quality of the juices when we chew on the gum, how our jaws work, we're not thinking about our feet and how we're walking. And if we are truly focusing on walking, like in meditation, where our feet are shifting the weight and walking, we're not really thinking about chewing gum. Have you ever called somebody and they're talking to you on the phone and you know they're checking their email at the same time? Yes. You can tell because they think they're multitasking, but they're splitting their attention into two parts. So when we're willing to focus, as in swimming, see, I did gymnastics. That was like a warrior art. And I call it a warrior art because if you're flying through the air doing a twisting double somersault and your mind drifts, you can die. Right. So. And, and many people do parkour and they do these high-risk sports, you know, wingsuit, skydiving, all this. They are warrior activities and it makes them, it brings them into an absorption in the present moment. But this is actually a beginning way to do it. Because when you can be absorbed just sitting still in the present moment, or as you say, swimming, 
when one is actually free to do the strokes automatically and just daydream or running, jogging, mm-hmm. you can daydream all you want. But if you bring your attention back to your form, if you're learning chi running or whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. you're, you're saying, how am I running? How, what's the quality of my movement? Uh, then you're back in the absorption in the present moment. And human beings love that state. Why do you think we play sports? Why do you think we throw frisbees? Because it pulls us back into that present moment. Let's do an experiment. You have a pen nearby, don't you? Yes. Uh, Can you just toss it a little bit into the air and catch it? Okay. Okay. While at the moment that pen was in the air, I'll bet you you were not thinking about what you're going to do later today. Exactly. You were just pure awareness in that present moment. Mm -hmm. So another reason to focus on the present is there are no thoughts. When we say, my mind's so busy, I'm always thinking about this or that. Well, actually, we're not thinking in the present moment. You can only think about the past or the future. In the present moment is pure awareness, as when you're reaching for that Frisbee someone threw to you, or when you're a baseball someone just yep. threw to you, or shooting that basket on the free throw line. So um, that, that's why we enjoy sports, because there is a human instinct to want to be absorbed in the moment. And it's a skill we can relearn. Children have it. They're really like, look, you know, you walk down the street. We walk down with our grandchildren, you know, the three-year-old, and he's stopping to pick up something on the ground and looking at this or looking at that. Um, So we can relearn that and come back to that childhood simplicity Mm -hmm. where we're just right here, right now, as I am with you at this moment. Mm -hmm. That's interesting you said that because I have a six-year-old and that's exactly how he operates. He's just does his thing and he does not you know i sometimes i think like oh he's distracted but he's not he's just in the moment so great point um i have pages and pages of questions i wrote down but uh from reading uh rereading peaceful warrior but let me get to one about um that's pertinent to what we're talking about all i wrote down all possibilities are happening at once so my question is how can we subdue the negative ego to allow in the reality that we want if everything is kind of happening on one, at once, how do we manage all of that? It seems like it's like a mental gymnastics you have to go through. Forgive the pun there. Well, can you imagine if we're watching television and we're watching 12 channels at the same time? In the old days, they had channels. Remember that? Yes, sure. <laughs> um, um, so the, the thing is, Awareness. We all know what awareness is. If we're not aware, we're unconscious. Okay. So if we're conscious, we wake up in the morning, let's say, and we are aware of what's going on around us. Um, but through the human being, awareness is channeled like light through a lens uh, that can that can set something on fire. It's focused. So our awareness is channeled into what we call attention. And we can learn to focus attention, we call it concentration, and that's a skill that can be developed by learning to concentrate better. People learn to do it in school, you might be distracted, but you've got to study for that exam and so on. So there are times we practice concentrating, and and again, there's a pleasurable aspect to that when we're drawn into it. So um, that is how we tune out everything happening at once. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this. I have a theory that men have more trouble in restaurants, noisy restaurants, when you're trying to have a conversation with someone and there's people are talking all around you. Because I believe, that, I, I think that piqued something in you, but I believe that um, men biologically, if they're out on the hunt, even in primitive times, mm-hmm. um, those whose attention was just focused on what's right in front of them without paying attention to what's around them didn't survive to reproduce. 
they had to be aware of everything going on around them. And I think it's not that men are harder of hearing than women, but they have more trouble um, just focusing in because they're paying attention on some level to everything around them. And it, all the conversation jumbles together. Um, but where I've noticed my wife and daughter, they, they don't seem to have as much trouble just talking with someone. So we, we do need to f- learn to focus in um, and the, the reticular activating system, the RAS, which is in our brain stem, uh, helps us to do that. Meditation, simple diet can help retune the RAS. So instead of needing grosser and grosser um, stimulation, bigger and bigger explosions in the movies um, and, and CGI and all that, we can learn to come back and appreciate the simple. And that was another part of Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Remember when Dan and Socrates go to the botanical garden? Yeah. And, and he lets go of the names he has for plants, and he just really looks at them, smells them. Uh, we, can, we can lose our mind and come back to our senses. And yes. that is by focusing in on what's in front of us. Okay. Uh, Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny, our special guest, Dan Millman, the author of Way of the Peaceful Warrior and so many other books. Um, one more question about Peaceful Warrior, and then we can talk about some other things. But do you feel that when you were writing this book or having these experiences, were you like feel like you were chosen in some way or you're channeling this information? Because it's so relevant to now as it was for 30, 40 years ago, and it's so important. And you cover all aspects of kind of how we, how we live. Did, did you feel uh, that there was some type of a, this was a gift to you? Oh, it was certainly a, certainly a gift, Robert. I mean, I'm not smart enough to write Way of the Peaceful Warrior, um, it, but it, I wanted to share something I'd learned in my life. And again, I'm, I'm not promoting the book. It's not even going to be out for at least a year. Um, I won't even give you the title because I'm not... I don't have it yet, but I am saying the book I'm working on now is going to be the story behind the story and explain all of that, of how it came to me, how the story developed, okay. the various mentors I worked with uh, that inspired the material. Um, so, yes, it feels like a gift. And I think every writer, whether they're writing fiction or nonfiction, ideas pop up and they go, where did that come from? Uh, we all talk about our muse. So I wouldn't use the word channeled necessarily, but... We can know more than we have read or heard. There are things we can access. There are aspects and ideas. And somehow I put them together. Uh, and I thought, gee, maybe a few college students will like the book. I had no idea mm-hmm. that it would be read by millions of people in 29 languages. You know, So that's just how it worked out. And I'm delighted that it's still mm-hmm. going strong. And families are passing it on through new generations. Yep. But... Um, so that's what, but that's an introduction to my work. I've written 16 books after that, and each one had to justify itself. I've never, in fact, I didn't write a book for 10 years after Peaceful Warrior. But then a new mentor, new ideas came in, and boom, um, all these things that were outpouring of what I wanted to share with people. You know, it was one of the most amazing things I, I read about you and the book was the the process and how long it took after you had the book published it kind of went out and it didn't make it and then you had like i had a hardcover book out there that didn't sell how am i going to get another deal you had to go through all of that with the publishing industry and then you had an individual who had uh somewhat retired who came Mm -hmm. back and said i'm going to take on this book i mean that's how do you do you how do you describe what happened there? Because that was like it was meant to be, or was it you were present enough to be available for the possibilities that were there, whether it's in parallel universes or different timelines or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times when a book goes out there and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do the first time, that's it. 
but you actually made it happen uh, with you know the work of other people, of course. But uh, that was an amazing story for, the, for anybody who's put a, who's written a book or work, dealt with the publishing industry and knows what it's like. That was pretty amazing. I was blown away by that, and that's at the end of the Peaceful Warrior. Yes, thanks for reminding me. I did have that interview, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I won't go into it in any more detail now because I know we have other things you'd, you'd like to cover. But uh, every book is different. Every every book has its own story, how it came to be. Every Day Enlightenment has quite a colorful story. Um, how, in fact, uh, at my website, we can talk about that later, but I have a place people can find about Dan's books, and it tells the story behind each book. Um, so people can look at that if they'd like. All right. One last question on Peace of Warrior. Well, I, uh, this time, I, I got at, one of the things I got out of the book is that Socrates, uh, many times, he kind of put his hands on you, whether it's your eyes or this or that. And then you went into what I don't have a better uh, term than like astral travel with him. And you, you got to see some of your life and experience certain moments that changed you and evolved you into the warrior that took you, you, know, took you through. Could you just talk about that just a little bit and then we'll move on? Sure. Well, since I mentioned Carlos Castaneda, um, mm-hmm. uh, one thing we, those books have in common, his books and Peaceful Warrior, um, they have significant fictional elements in them. The difference between us is he insisted his book was completely true. I know it wasn't for fact, but um, I, I've never done that. Um, Way of the Peaceful Warrior mixes uh, autobiography, many facts that actually happened to me uh, accurately as I described them, but other elements are fictionalized. And the part where Socrates grabs me by the head and sends me off on journeys, visionary mm-hmm. journeys, it was a, a device for the reader to more viscerally uh, uh, and visually experience the lessons rather than have me just blah blah talk about them or describe Got them. Got it. Uh, and, yeah. So there are there are some fictional elements in the book. And you know what? That would be horrible if it were really true that he grabbed me by the head. We'd have to all go around <laughs> looking looking for head grabbers, you know. And then pretty soon there'd be head grabbers anonymous. You know how it goes. So um, yeah, that was that was a literary device. All right, let's move on to what you, my favorite book of yours, Dan, um, and I, I like I love them all, but this one really uh, struck a chord with me, and I'll tell you why. A quick story: it's called Everyday Enlightenment: The Twelve Gateways to Personal Growth. And after I wrote my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which everybody said this should be a nonfiction book, I said, but I believe in the power of story. That's why I made it a novel, and it has Reiki in it and some other things, and it's about advertising. It's been called like the male sex in the city, but I did it that way for a reason. And then I said, all right, I want to do a nonfiction book. And I had a name, and it was called uh, Everyday Ascension. And I, the, about a week later, I was thinking, Everyday Ascension, Everyday Ascension, Everyday Ascension. I'm going to have these steps. I was in Strand Bookstore in uh, in uh, New York City, in Manhattan, on uh, just south of 14th Street. Everybody knows the Strand. And I looked at the shelf. I was in the self-help uh, section, and I saw Dan Millman, Everyday Enlightenment. And I pulled the book off the shelf, and I looked at it, and I'm like, <laughs> This, and I say this as a compliment, this is the book I wanted to re- write, and yet I have a chance to read it. So at first I was crushed. I'm like, oh, there's an idea that somebody took. Then I read the book and said, you know what? This validates to me the need for this type of information. I got so much out of it, including the Peaceful Warrior Workout is in this book. And it spurred me to have an idea completely separate from this, completely separate from what I was thinking, but tangential in terms of what I wanted to write about that's uh, relevant to my own experience. Mm -hmm. And so I say thank you because I got a twofer. I got 
your book and all the information in it. And I spurred me the idea for the book I'm writing right now, which is completely different, but just came about in my consciousness because of everyday enlightenment. So thank you, Dan. Oh, great story. Um, yeah, that, that book, uh, I could still refer to it as a magnum opus because, you know, I, I, had, I was just coming off completion of another book called uh, The Life You Were Born to Live, which is that number system, yep. which is, un, you know, it's quite accurate. It's over a million copies in print. Uh, many people are just kind of amazed by it. Uh, there's also a life purpose app people can get for their phone, Android or iPhone, which has basically all the information in that book. But people, this was my fourth book, and people thought, well, wait a minute, Dan wrote Way of the Peaceful Warrior, Sacred Journey, another story, and then he wrote No Ordinary Moments. You know, it's a pretty grounded book about how to live an everyday life, a guide to everyday life. Suddenly, Dan is off on a numerology tangent. What happened to him? And I wanted, I wanted to explain to people that... Um, the numerology, the whole book, was just but one facet uh, of everyday life, but it's a very important one. And so I asked myself, while I was on book tour, while I was giving talks, I said, what am I going to talk about? I'm not just going to talk about the book or numbers. So um, I said, well, you know, we use this term personal growth, personal development, spiritual growth. And what do we mean by that? Uh, many terms we use without really understanding them. And I said, what, what comprises personal growth? Some people are specialists. They'll say it's all about money. Because if you have financial resources, you can do this, you can do that. You can take this course and this seminar. Other people say it's all about relationships. And that they become a relationship specialist. Somebody else, oh, no, it's health. If you don't have your health, what did your grandmother tell you? You know, you mm -hmm. got to have your health. So right. it's all about that. And they become a, a wellness coach. And I said, but there must be more. So I, 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 again, this was another example, Robert, where I sat down and said, okay, give it to me, spirit. What, what's the full scope of what we call personal growth? And 12 areas, I wrote them down. Boom, 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 boom. And they ended up these 12 gateways to personal growth. And it covers, nobody else has suggested an area I've left out there. They seem to cover yep. the entire field. Absolutely. Uh, so it's comprehensive. And in fact, that was its strength and its weakness because a lot of people were intimidated. Their eyes were going around, you know, 12 areas I got to study here. But it's actually areas we're all working on in our everyday life. In fact, if life is a school, and I think it is, a perfect school for souls, daily life is our classroom, there are 12 courses we need to, if not master, at least gain some expertise in, in order to graduate. And those 12 areas are described in Everyday Enlightenment. So that's when that book came up. And there's more to the story. It put both my daughters through college, one through Stanford, the other through Harvard. But uh, So it paid for their college educations. Um, that was a nice side benefit. But that's writing, fantastic. But, but the main thing was just I got to share this comprehensive type book. Well, I recommend this book to all of our listeners, as well as all of Dan's work. Um, but, but I've given this book to my friends. I just picked up another copy. It's helped me so much, and it spurred an idea for me. Now, I, I, you mentioned something about asking spirit for help, and I uh, we interview all different types of people on Guys Guys Radio, and we we let people, the listeners, make their own determinations. I just bring people out here. I want to introduce to the quote unquote masses, if you will, just new ways of thinking, new possibilities, new ways you can consider life. I started taking a spiritual enfoldment class about two and a half years ago, and it's very casual. We do it Skype once a week, and it's really helped me with my connection and my vibration. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because you asked Spirit for help. 
I give spirit, I've handed things over to spirit say, I'm having trouble with this. You take care of it. And then I'm, I, I figure it's taken care of. That's a big leap for a lot of people. And people, I don't think everybody is that comfortable with that. Could you talk about how you came to the position in your life where you were comfortable doing that and what spurred you into being that type of person? Oh, glad to do that. Sure. I wasn't raised in any particular religious tradition. Um, and people ask me what my beliefs are, and I go, it doesn't matter what my beliefs are. You know, your beliefs are just as important as mine. Uh, um, it's what what's real for us. Um, you know, when I say, give it to me, spirit, um, I'm saying it like I'm talking to an intimate friend sitting right next to me. It's it's Call it a metaphor. Whether one believes in a soul or spirit, we do know this. Uh, well, I will convey one view I have of life, which is that everyone is on a spiritual quest, whether or not we're aware of it. Whether we would use those words or those terms, we're all looking for to make sense of life, where we fit into it. Um, we ask maybe late at night sometimes. Uh, we wake up and we go, well, what is life for? What is it about? Of course, that's one reason I wrote The Four Purposes of Life, that other little book. Um, so, you know, we live, we spend 99% or maybe 95% of our, our, our time in the conventional realm of everyday life. And as we should, we're taking care of education, children, work, uh, finances, career decisions, all those things of daily life. But yet there is a yearning in each of us to transcend, to rise above, to understand life's bigger picture. As if we, we go from the, down in the weeds at the base of a mountain looking at some insects doing their little insect life, and suddenly we find ourselves up on the mountaintop looking at a panoramic view of the beautiful scene around us. Everything looks more beautiful in the distance. So that bigger picture is what I'm talking about, the transcendent realms. And each of those realms, conventional and transcendental, have their own truths. And someone may say, well, you're just making all that stuff up, Dan, about transcendental. (laughs) Uh, You know, what's right in front of us right now? What's here? On the other hand, what are all religions for? Every spiritual practice and tradition created around the world no matter where people live, they've created a spiritual tradition. What are they looking for? Why did those things appear? Because humans are also seeking to understand. Some of them have given up hope because they're so locked into, what do I need to do tonight, today to succeed and achieve right. and win? And they've forgotten, wait, take, step back, take a deep breath. There's a bigger thing going on here. And what you're doing, we take ourselves a little less seriously and we give ourselves some space to relax a bit and, and, you know, look at the clouds passing by. And those moments, we, we remember them. A, a moment at the beach or on vacation, on holiday, in a new environment. We wake up and we start looking with the eyes of a child again. So that's what I mean by spirit, by transcendental. It's not like I'm asking someone to believe something. It's just a sense of this bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Are you, do you find having uh, been ex- exposed to and experienced the uh, company of so many other mentors and teachers and in your travels that you, have you become more you know, clairvoyant and intuitive? Um, just has that kind of rubbed off on you? I have found for myself in my limited uh, experience that even in my spiritual enfoldment class that my intuitive abilities and knowing things are going to happen just seem to be much more acute than they were. And I would think somebody in your position has probably been taken to a much, much higher level. 
Well, it's it's dangerous uh, projecting on anybody, whether they're an author like myself or have been teaching for a long time. I've gotten better at teaching. Yes, I'm a good teacher. I taught gymnastics, and then I went into life's bigger picture, and I teach some uh, life skills, let's say. Okay. Uh, but one shouldn't project on me this this specialness, like, well, Dan can do this. Maybe it's okay for him, but not for me. Um, you know, I, I'm not here for people to trust me, Robert. I'm here to help people trust themselves and to look inside themselves and, and stand up inside themselves and look at their power and their wisdom. We all have access to it. Uh, I've just maybe spent a little more time thinking about it. Um, so, okay. Okay. yeah, I think it's important for the democratization and uh, egalitarian approach to, uh, to, to life. I probably I probably didn't articulate it the right way. And what I was saying is, and we don't have to get into it, but I, by being just exposed to other people, uh, other teachers, sure. uh, and other people's spiritual realm, if you will, uh, does did you find that that rubs off on each other as a group? Well, that's why the the, the sangha, the um, the community. You know, in every spiritual tradition, there's the teacher. The teaching, the dharma, they call it, and mm-hmm. the sangha, or the community. Okay. So having people around, even a friend or two, who you can, who get you, and you get them, uh, and you can talk about these things without embarrassment or without uh, uh, feeling like, uh, oh, you're strange. Uh, I've always been a bit of an outlier, and that's okay with me. Uh, you know, some of us are not here to fit in. We're here to lead by our example. Got it. Okay. Um, all right, we got two more books. We Just real quick, uh, The Four Purposes of Life. Um, can I read the purposes? Do you mind, Dan? For uh, sure, sure. Let me provide a context. You know, just okay. as we can divide the points on the compass into four primary directions, mm-hmm. or or the, the the seasons of the year, the days of the year, into four primary seasons, um, by looking at life through the lens of these four purposes, it can give us more clarity and direction uh, in our life, where we're going, where we're headed. And okay, so feel free to read the four purposes. Okay, so. Uh, Quickly, uh, one is learning life's lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, uh, finding your career and calling. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a little bit different. I guess a career and calling is a little bit different. Yes. Dis- discovering your life path and then yeah. attending to this arising moment. Yeah. Anything you want to add? I know we don't have too much time, but I want to make sure we covered this book and touch on the life you were born to live. Sure. Well, the third purpose is covered in detail in the life you were born to live, about the, the, our life path. Okay. Um, and, and by the way, anybody can go to my website and get a free uh, life purpose calculator there. They just on the splash page, if they go to peacefulwarrior.com, um, and they'll see life purpose calculator. Click on it. They just put in their date of birth, and it'll give them some uh, just a taste, a paragraph. Um, they'll see it's a number. And they'll see some uh, key words that can lend some clarity, just that little glimpse. And, of course, they can always get the Life Purpose app or read the book if they want more details about their life path that many people don't discover at mm-hmm. all or maybe mm-hmm. even later in life. So it can really help in terms of that one area of self-knowledge. How can we, Dan, how can we help uh, other guys out there? Um, I find uh, that guys... Uh, you know, women are very open to uh, learning new things, and a lot of guys, particularly the boomers, they, they get stuck. They're stuck right now, and I can tell from my friends. They want to do different stuff. They want to hear about different stuff, and then they don't change. They're still doing so many of them, and I'm not saying this is criticism. I'm just observing that 
they do this, they live the exact same way since they got out of college. They eat the same foods. They look at their job the same way. They measure themselves by what they were told to measure themselves by. And now they're seeing that, you know, the pages are coming off the calendar and they're thinking, is there something else? Because I'm going to get laid off when I'm 65 or whatever. And then, then what? And some of them don't know what to do. And some of them do, but how can we help guys? What do they need to know? What are some steps they can take? Well, one of the fundamental life skills we can learn to do, we can improve ourselves and actually adapt, is life comes at us in waves of change that we can neither predict nor control, like getting laid off, for example, uh, out of nowhere. Um, And we cannot control or predict these changes, but we can learn to surf. We can surf these waves by applying one of the law, in my, another little book called The Laws of Spirit, one of the laws is called the law of acceptance, the law of surrender, surrendering to the moment, what arises. Any good martial artist knows if you're attacked, you don't fight force with force, you get out of the way, you use the force. So it's a very creative, intelligent approach to life. How can I use this to lift? How can I use this to grow? So just facing these changes that are inevitable um, in our lives uh, uh, aging, different things come up you have to address. Uh, and that is a skill like any other skill we can learn with practice. Um, you know, we, we, Socrates once said, I call myself a warrior, a peaceful warrior, because the most important battles are inside of us. And those battles are with insecurity where we have to prove ourselves all the time, or self-doubt, where we're just not sure we're capable of adapting to a situation. Those kinds of things, uh, the distracted mind, we can actually approach those the way we would learning a golf game or a sport, where we just say, okay, these are life skills. Let's see how I can adapt and learn. Mm -hmm. Um, In in a brief time, that's uh, what what I could say in response. Fantastic. Okay, uh, guys, guys, radio. Our special guest has been Dan Millman, the author of the Peaceful Warrior uh, series, and also so many other books. Dan, tell everybody where they can learn more about you. Get their uh, calculator so they can do their uh, numbers thing to find the life that you were born to live, etc. Probably the best uh, one stop is uh, is peacefulwarrior.com. It's all there. If they want to explore a little bit, they'll find some interesting uh, stuff there. Online courses where I teach the Peaceful Warrior Workout, for example, with video and everything else. A younger version of me. It's an old, older video. But So there are online courses, uh, books, audio programs. I love audio books um, and other features there uh, and some inspiring information as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dan Millman, for being on Guys Guys Radio. You've been a personal inspiration for me, and you've helped me even though you didn't even know me until a couple of days ago, and I'm so thrilled that you're on the show, and I can't wait to have you back when your new book comes out next year. I appreciate the invitation, Robert. Thank you, Dan. All right, what a conversation. Dan Millman, I'm not going to embarrass him, but he's one of my inspirations, one of my heroes, because I just found so, so many parallels in the way he's approached life. It's so nice. He's a guy's guy. I, I neglected to tell him that during our interview, but he's a real guy's guy in every sense of the word. He is emotionally available. He is comfortable in his own skin. He, he shares his feelings. He shares his knowledge. He's into athletics and, and fitness and wellness and diet and spirituality. 
He's just an all-around great guy, and he's a gift to humanity, in my opinion. I know that would embarrass him, but the teachings that he's been able to receive and share with us are just tremendous, and they've had a great effect and impact in my life. And when I made a list of guests that I want to have for the show, he was on top of the list, and I'm so glad that he was kind enough to uh, come to Guys Guys Radio. So what did we learn today? Well, I think we really learned that we create our own lives. Dan's messages are timeless. He wrote this book, the big one, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Of course, he's got over 16 books. He sold millions and millions of copies in multiple languages, I think over like 30 languages. And he's also got The Life You Were Born to Live and Everyday Enlightenment, the, which is my personal favorite, The Four Purposes of Life, more and more. And he's working on a new one. But the message really is you can create your own life that you don't have to live your history and you don't need to try to live your future. Just be in the moment, be present, listen to people, be open to the possibility that you can do anything you want to do because there's nothing that's preventing you except for yourself and the decisions you make each and every second of the day. So take that as an optimistic, positive message, not that, oh, no, well, I can't do that, and that's nonsense, and that doesn't work. And you start thinking that way, and then things won't work. So that's my take on Dan Millman's work, is that we create our own lives, and we're responsible for it. And if you want to live in the way of the peaceful warrior, it's going to take some work, but it's moment by moment, and the key is being present, being aware, and being, and taking action, the right action at the right time. So Dan Millman, going to be back on Guys Guys Radio, hopefully next year when his new book comes out. In the meantime, we're on every Wednesday evening on KCAA here in Southern California, 8 p.m. Pacific time. And we'll also uh, get a replay of the show on Sundays at 2 p.m. We're on 102.3, 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. You can also catch us on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blog Talk Radio, CastBox. You can stream us on KCAA or on my website, robertmanni.com. I've also got my blog there. I've got 350 blog posts on everything about life, love, and a pursuit of happiness. Uh, hopefully, I cover every subject that is of interest to you in terms of just general stuff about relationships and health and wellness and spirituality and how to be a how to be a guy and I'm a work in progress. I'm doing the best I can. That's all I can do and I think that's all we can do. So check out my blog. I'm very very fortunate to have this show and have such a great group of listeners. I'm getting so much positive response about our guests and just doing this doing the work we're doing, and we're going to do more and more of it, and we're growing and growing, and I thank you because without you guys out there, it would not be possible. So thanks a lot, and please spread the word. Guys, Guys Radio. So we'll be back next week, and as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. It's Guys, Guy Radio. 